thing on. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to another amazing episode of the College Football Cut. I'm Adam Mack. I'm here joined alongside my amazing co-host, Jared. Jared, how are you doing, man? I'm better now, man. How are you? Yeah. Oh, you know, you know, it's another great week of college football. I think, you know, last week we had the excitement of being the debut episode, but I think this week yeah. it's even better. We got we have actual news to talk about this week. There's some good stuff to go over. That's right. I know. I'm excited. We got a fun episode planned. We'll break down the big game from last week, plus look at the top 25 rankings, plus we will d- uh, dive deep into USC and whatever the hell going on down in Southern Cal. But first, let's talk about the game of the week last week. Oregon goes into Columbus and defeats the Ohio State Buckeyes 35-28. What are your initial thoughts um, on on that game? Uh, well, we were wrong. Yeah, <laughs> I think they, they proved a lot of people wrong. You know, mm-hmm. uh, especially being in Columbus, I don't think a lot of people saw that coming. No, no. I remember, I remember just like discussing the game last week with you know Christian and Randy, and you know we're all. I, I remember my point was, Kayvon Thibodeau's not playing. Oregon doesn't stand a chance. He's yeah. that big of a difference maker, but. I, again, I couldn't really tell. Was it Oregon's actually a really good team, or is Ohio State not as strong as they normally are? Like they in like other years when you know they're putting up sixty plus points a game. I think it's more so leaning towards the Ohio. Not to take anything away from Oregon again, big win for yeah. me. It's I feel Ohio State's just not that strong this year. Yeah, especially defensively. Mm. You know, uh, I mean, shoot, Anthony Brown had. 236 yards passing, another 65 on the ground. C.J. Verdell, he tore him up, man. He was all over the place. 161 yards, two touchdowns, uh, another receiving touchdown. It that defense is struggling, and you know, and I, I, I really think Oregon kind of, kind of put him in the spotlight in that regard. Yeah, I think one thing that really stuck out to me was the rush, the rushing defense for Ohio State. It's atrocious. 472 yards in two games giving up that on 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 the ground is just unexcusable for Ohio State. Yeah. You, know, you they come into the season with one thing on their mind. They want to win a national championship. You can't mm-hmm. win a national championship giving up that many yards. And the more I kind of like I'm starting to think about it and look at it, I think they would have lost that Minnesota game if Muhammad Ibrahim didn't get hurt. He was running all over them. Yeah. And then Oregon I'm like, all right, maybe just Ibrahim is just that good of a player. Oregon comes out and just absolutely wipes the floors them on the on the ground yeah 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 i i was actually thinking about the same thing you know um because at, at least that bit of tape that they had from the from the minnesota game you know that that gave them a good tip on what to do and, and right. i kind of wondered the same thing if you know if, if he would have stayed healthy throughout that whole game if maybe maybe minnesota could have toppled ohio state or at least would have been a closer ball game yeah again i think ohio state needs to fix something on defense i know that carrie combs I think that's his name. Their defensive coordinator is giving up some of his responsibilities. I think, you know, it's a couple more weeks and he'll be looking for a new job. Um, mm-hmm. If he can, if he makes it through the year, he might be able to salvage a few more wins, you know, keep himself employed, but they need to make some adjustments on the defensive side of the ball. Obviously offensively, they're very good. Yeah. You know, they have a lot of great weapons. CJ Stroud for me though, is a big question mark. He's no Justin Fields. He's coming in replacing the best quarterback in program history, which is yep. arguably one of the hard, an impossible task. But I think another thing that you know Ohio State is struggling on is CJ Stroud is not good with his legs. He he won't run out of the pocket. He's not going to run for thirty yards like Justin Fields had. So defenses aren't having to worry about him on these pass plays. 
You know, he's in the pocket. They don't need to worry about him running. With Justin Fields, you need to keep an eye on him because he might take off for 20 yards. Mm-hmm. Now defenses can kind of, you know, pull back a little bit, focus on the receivers. Right. And so far, Minnesota and Oregon have been doing really good jobs of doing that. Right. Yeah, absolutely. I'm with you because, you know, when you lose that running aspect, it really changes the strategy that your offense can implement. And then it changes mm-hmm. the game plan that your opposing defense is going to have, too. So, with, with that being the case, you know, it gives them a lot more time to cover Olave. Um, mm. Going back, I found a kind of a neat stat um, going back to talking about Ohio State's defense. So this goes back to uh, last year, the national title game. So national title game, week one, week two, and week three, Ohio State has given up 118 points, which is the most they've ever given up in a three-game span mm. in program history. Now, I go, I know this goes back to last year mm. and, and last year's in the past, but still, that's kind of a – kind of an interesting stat to think about especially with that including the first two games of the years where programs mm-hmm. like ohio state will typically have you know cupcake games the first right. two games of the week or so so it's um kind of interesting to think about yeah it it was it i, I think i saw that stat. it's crazy to think about and obviously the alabama helped um helped with that you know just because of alabama's offense was just you know incredible last summer or last season yeah. But again, they should they should have wiped the floor with Minnesota. They should have, I don't think maybe wiped the floor with Oregon, but it should have been Ohio State should have won the game. Yeah, Ohio State football versus Oregon. Oregon's been you know like this for the last few years. Ohio State's been consistently a top tier program, but just right. the way Ohio State's going, you know, there are some teams that are flying up the the rankings, and Ohio State's you know slowly going down. This could be the year Ohio State kind of gets dethroned from the Big Ten. Yeah. yeah. Yep, I'm, I'm wondering that same thing. You know, kind of going into that, you know, I mentioned, you know, Ohio State uh, fell in the rankings and a couple of Big, big Ten teams are start, slowly on the rise. Looking at, you know, the rankings from last week, our week three AP rankings, you know, obviously yeah. Alabama, Georgia, Oklahoma, you no, know, they stay the same. Oregon, Iowa, you know, they find their way into the top five after Iowa manhandled Iowa State. Clemson remained at six. You know, Texas A&M, Cincinnati are all there. Ohio State fell to nine. I think Penn State moved up one spot or remained the same. Mm-hmm. Florida's run the same. Everything looks pretty pretty normal. The big three that kind of fell out, um, U.S., Texas, um, and Utah fell out of the top 25. Michigan has made their way back in. But – you know, looking at the top 25 rankings, what sticks out to you? The, the biggest thing for me was the bump that Iowa got along with Oregon. Mm-hmm. You know, Oregon, and we, we kind of saw that coming. I think, do you remember where they were last week? Were they nine? I think nine or ten. Something like that. I know Iowa State was spots, right ahead. Yeah. And then Iowa, I think they moved up four spots or was it more than that? I forget, but you know, I, I, sure. I know Iowa's looking good and they had a big win against Ohio, Iowa state, but I, I didn't see them reaching top five. Mm-hmm. And you know, what, what's interesting in order to get there, Texas A&M had to fall. Um, you know, and it, is it right for Clemson to still be there with the one loss under their belt? I think it's okay. Um, but uh, how, how do you feel about it? I, I just thought that was kind of interesting, especially with Iowa to see that big of a bump. I think, you know, look at the jump Iowa's made since you know, the preseason polls. They were ranked 17 or 18. You know, they come out week one dominating victory over Indiana. They yeah. shoot up to 10 and then a dominating victory over Iowa State. In some ways, a jump, a big jump is kind of warranted. They had two dominating top 25 wins, one of yeah. which was a team that was the team that could finally dethrone Oklahoma. But, like, to jump from 18 to five, it seems a little bit expensive. Like you said, Clemson's there. You know, yes, Clemson has the one loss, but who do, who was that one loss to? And it wasn't like it was a blowout loss. It was a seven-point loss to Georgia. Right. You know, and it's not a, a, a jump that I like per se because I think, you know, they have a lot to prove. But from what I've seen on the field, they look phenomenal. They yeah. look like a team that can not only win the Big Ten, but make some noise in the playoffs. And I assume that's not right now. They look phenomenal. Ohio yeah. State is not looking good so far this season. This could be the year Iowa makes it, but, you know, there's 
a lot of different things that kind of, you know, you know, you look at the rankings that, you know, might be a little weird. You know, Penn State making a big jump. You know, they yeah. took down Wisconsin. It wasn't a dominating victory, but, you know, going into was into um, Badger Stadium with that win helped. But they didn't necessarily look fantastic against Ball State. But, you know, I think this week with the game against Auburn, that can help them, you know, make that statement victory for a top 10 ranking. Um, but, you know, a lot of the stuff is like Texas A&M hasn't looked good. They're still a top 10 team. You know, I think one of the reasons the AP polls, I don't like the AP polls is because they go into the preseason. A team struggles week one. Use Oklahoma as an example. They look terrible week one against Tulane. They're still a top, what, five team right now? They don't look yeah. like a top five team. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's interesting, you know, especially in these early weeks because depending upon the program, sometimes I feel like it, it, it'll either overcorrect or undercorrect itself. You know, mm-hmm. based on the first few games, and I mean, and we know the the schools that they undercorrect. You know, <laughs> so long yeah. as they get the win, they leave them there. But yeah. uh, you know, and I that's why I was kind of wondering with Iowa if maybe they're making too big of a jump for them. You know, are they going to sustain that number five spot? It, you know, it'll the the proof will be in the pudding throughout the rest of the season. But it's something I wonder. You know, I don't know if I if I'm mm. certain with it. If I feel so that comfortable with it, but um. I can't say I disagree with it either. Right. Again, when you look at them play, they're top, they look like a top five team. Yeah. No, they're running the ball tremendously. They're throwing the ball. All three sides of the ball look fantastic. So, like, on paper, the, yes, they look fantastic. And they should, you know, be a top they, – they look like a top five team. But to make a jump from 18 to five in two weeks seems a little bit excessive. Mm-hmm. Just because there's teams ahead of them, or I guess now below them, that have been doing what they've been needed to do. Like, look at Cincinnati. Yeah, they played pretty mediocre in the first half. 35 unanswered points in the second half is incredible. Yeah, they played a bad school. But 35 points, unanswered points in the second half is that's, – that's unheard of. That's Alabama type of, type numbers right there. Yeah, it was incredible. Yeah, it's uh... – it, it's interesting, even even when teams will get a slow start like that, how much they can mm-hmm. crank it up in the second half. And that's what you're going to see your good teams do. And right. I definitely think Cincinnati's a really good team. Yeah, I think Cincinnati, it's it's their weakness and their strength. Their schedule is going to hurt them and help them. They're going to be able to coast and put up video game numbers. But when it comes time for playoffs, the committee's going to go, you haven't played anybody. And that's why their ranking always gets hurt. That's why I feel like, you know, if you like, I hate to go back to the BCS system, but sometimes like putting that, realizing that Cincinnati's a really good team. Like I don't, there really isn't many teams ahead of them right now that I think eh, maybe Cincinnati's not better than maybe even Oregon. I think Oregon made a big, too big of a jump as well. Sure. Yeah. Like again, that made the Oregon jump going from 13 to four, pretty much swapping places with Ohio state is just, it's just ridiculous. Right. Watch week one. Oregon looked terrible. And now just because they beat Ohio State, they get to jump. So right. when – if say Alabama loses to an unranked team, does that mean Alabama has to go from one unranked? No. It's, it, it's, they, they dropped a three. Yeah. It's <laughs> – you got you to realize even though some, when some of these teams lose, like, lose they, they still are a top team in the country. So like say right. like Alabama this week loses the Florida. I – Alabama drops anywhere past three, the entire ranking system's a big, big scam. Because Alabama's oh, the top it's team broken. in the country. Yeah. It, without question, Alabama's the top team in the country right now. One loss is not going to, you know, shouldn't drop them. Granted, you know, Ohio State's looked terrible in two games. So, yeah, maybe a drop from three to six was kind of warranted. But Oregon hasn't looked like a top four team. Yeah, you know, which is crazy, and you know, I think I think that just goes to show us how how good they thought Ohio State was, and then even more so how good they thought Oklahoma, mm-hmm. Georgia, Alabama was or is still. Right. And um, you know, we'll it it'll be interesting to see because I think Oregon's got primarily just Pac-12 schedule throughout mm-hmm. the rest of the season, and then Ohio State obviously I think has primarily just got Big Ten games throughout. Right. So they're 
we'll see. I think Oregon's going to have to prove themselves again against UCLA. I believe they play later down the road. Um, uh, I was going to pull that up. Again, another point. Um, again, my little sister always giving me shout outs during the show. Love you, Danny. Um, but I think Andrew has a great point. Kind of going back to the Cincinnati point. Only way these teams are going to get a chance is an expanded playoff. Right. Your, co- your, your, your partner wants to agrees with me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's the only there. way – an expanded playoff is the only way we're going to be able to see it. And I get no one – everyone's always arguing, and granted is, no matter how many teams you have in the playoff, someone's going to miss out. And there's going to be argument. Out. It'll never be big enough. No, it's never going to be big enough. And, again, that's the point. However, four teams is not enough for – I for at least a college football playoff because mm-hmm. you have teams like Cincinnati who they're not gonna they're never gonna get a chance never last year proved it you know yeah. but it's the thing like I want to see some of these teams like you know that may not win their conference so whoever doesn't win the the SEC where do they rank because or even the third because I still think two SEC teams are gonna make it that third team where do they rank is right. it clearly the SEC as the top three teams in the country. Right now, I I don't think so because because after Bama and Georgia, you have uh, a Big Twelve, Pac twelve, Big Ten, ACC, and then number seven Texas A and M's the next next SEC team. I mean, it's hard to say because like, I was thinking about that earlier today too. Like, would I do I think that Texas A and M would beat Oregon right now? I don't know. I, I don't think they'd beat. Oklahoma I mean, new right quarterback. Now. Quarterback's out for a few weeks with a cracked whatever, according to Jimbo Fisher. Yeah, and when you have a cracked whatever, you can't play good. (laughs) (laughs) So, no, I, you know, this year, as of right now, I don't think SEC has top three teams in the country. Mm -hmm. Again, I think, you know, I think SEC, one team that's, again, there's easy, it's Georgia and Alabama are the top two teams in the SEC right now. But yeah. one team that I think, depending on how this week goes, Auburn. They, you know, Bo Nix has been. I'm, I'm, I'm getting on that Bo Nix hype train right now. He's mm-hmm. been absolutely phenomenal first two games. Yeah. You know, he's going to get his big test this week against Penn State. Yep. If he can go in and you know continue to dominate, that's a team I could see making a giant jump because they would have earned the top ten ranking. And oh, yeah. Bo Nix is going to deserve, you know. Heisman uh, conversation if you can go in and play, dominate Penn State defense. But, mm-hmm. you know, again, same thing. Like, I think going back, like, we need to expand the playoff because the AP rankings are no indication, especially once the college football playoff rankings come back. We can't just go off of what those are, and mm-hmm. they're going to only cause issues. Yeah. I think another thing that, like, also is kind of crazy when you look at it is who dropped out of the top 25. You know, Texas, they, you know, we're joining the SEC, we're joining the big boys. And then we, now I wrote an article, all what's going on with the Big 12. And I literally yeah. specifically said Arkansas was the armpit of the big, or the SEC. And they are. And Texas, mm-hmm. who's supposed to be this top tier, greatest college football program of all time, gets blown out by Arkansas. Right. So again, I think they went from 15 out, which. That it was it was worth that until you mentioned. I'm glad you brought that up because that's that's significant. Mm-hmm. I think the other big person that fell on it's going to take us into our next one was you know one game that I think every all of us picked was USC to, to beat Stanford and then wow. Stanford walks in and absolutely dominates yeah. USC, yeah. which you know it's coming. This I think I was not I expected this to happen by at the end of the season. I truly did. I think it was his time. Mm-hmm. But after week two, Clay Helton being fired from the University of Southern California. Oof. I I I, I did not see it coming this early. You know, we've had two two weeks and we've had two programs fire coaches. Um I'm excited to see who else gets fired now. But you know, what what were your first thoughts on you know Clay Helton getting the boot? Well, so because at first I had to do a little digging on it because at, at first I was like, wow, they're just gonna fire him 
from a from a bad loss to Stanford. I was like, there's got to be more to it. And there was, because that was just the straw that broke the camel's back. Mm-hmm. So I did a little deep dive into it. So I'm just going to provide a little bit more background on, on Clay Helton and his tenure there at USC. So he was at USC for quite some time. He was a positions coach, assistant coach from 2010 to 2014. So that means he was there from the 2010 to 2012 mm-hmm. time when they had the sanctions in place and all that going on. He fell into the head coaching job partway through the 2015 season. Um, 16, 17, he had double-digit win seasons. And that was a Sam Darnold kind of one yeah, day. Sam Darnold title, time. won a Rose yeah. Bowl game. I, I forget which year those happened. Um, 27, I think it was the 2016 uh, season. Um, yeah. Yeah, they beat yep. Penn State in that Rose Bowl game. Yeah, so he, he was off. Downhill from start. there, I'm assuming. But, <laughs> yeah. Uh, a very fast decline. Um, so then we go into 2018 and the Trojans go five and seven, five and seven, big no, no, right. 2019, eight and five still, I mean, that's okay. But for a program like USC, no, it's not, but they, they had some administrative changes going on in 2019. Mm -hmm. And I think that's when the athletic director, uh, Mike, Mike Bond, Mike Bond. Mike Bond. That, yep. That's when he. That's when he came in. Yeah. Uh, so they 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 kind of let Helton skate by that year. Twenty twenty weird year. They went five and one in a short season. Only lost mm-hmm. to Oregon. And then twenty twenty one hits. And after a couple of years of extra investing into the football program and him not producing, they decided to call it quits after one big loss to a not very good team. No. Again, you again you can't you. That sums it up right there. It's USC is a top tier program. Yeah. There's, I think, five programs on that top tier of college football: Alabama, Texas, Notre Dame, like USC, and maybe one of your Ohio State in there. They are your top top tier college football teams. Yeah, it is expected that they are the top five teams in the country. That's that, not, again, you know, you're not going to have that every year, but right. There's no programs like USC in, around. And, again, you had the Rose Bowl. You had the U, the Pac-12 championship in five years ago, whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. That's not good enough for USC. No. And, you know, again, yeah, eight and five, whatever it was, could it's okay for 90% of the schools in this country. But USC, it's not okay. Right. Now, you're expected to – when you walk in and they'll get every coach says we're winning national championships. I even come here to, to lose. No, when you go to USC, you're winning national champion. You, you're going with the expectation that you're going to win a national championship. And they haven't done, they haven't been relevant in a long time. You know, they had those sanctions and though they had the Lane Kiffin disaster. Ed Ogeron had to deal with, you know, just the, the back, the end of the Lane Kiffin era. So they've had just like this huge decline. And then, Clay Helton comes in. He has a couple promising years, but that's about it. Yeah. It's almost starting like again, like I said, it was coming. We, he's his name has been on on the hot seat for for years now. Oh yeah. And so yeah, like absolutely. I know, and you look at this like this job right now. It's like, is the job appealing? And I think for me, like, if I was a coach, it still is because it's it's USC. It's the top tier program and. But the situation is tough. It's Absolutely. not the USC that, you know, the Reggie Bush era, Pete Carroll, Mark Sanchez, Matt, uh, Matt Leinart, you no know, USC Trojans. Right. It's it's going to be a rebuild situation. It's yep. There's no question about it. But I think this coaching hire is super important. And I think one of the good things that they, they, they did it so early now is they have the whole year to find a candidate. So when these yeah. other schools who you know big programs that decide that they want to move on, they're going to be late. USC has like months ahead of them. So if there's a coach that they want, they're going to be in contact with them way before any other school has. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And kind of going into that, you know, I think I wrote an article for another website I wrote for it. Yeah. Who's going to replace them? Because that's now that's the big conversation. You know, yeah. Clay Helen's out. I don't see them retaining the interim coach. I, I don't think that's the smart move. They've done that three times now, and it has yet to work out. Yep. You know, there's obviously the popular favorites, James Franklin from Penn State, 
um, Luke Fickle from Cincinnati, um, mm -hmm. Matt Campbell from Iowa State. It's not going to happen, but Urban Meyer. Um, mm -hmm. Eric Bieniemy from the Kansas City Chiefs has been a name. You know, I saw Bill O'Brien suggested. There. All right, so I'll, I'll, I'll just jump to yeah. Just jump to my because that's who I, I think it's going to be Bill O'Brien. Um, I you think do. he. I firmly believe Bill Bill O'Brien is going to be get the job. Um, you know, just kind of look at his history. You know, he was an offensive coordinator for the Patriots for X amount of years. Won a couple Super Bowls. You know, learned under Belichick. Takes the job at Penn State right after Paterno. And, you know, the expectation when he took that job over was they were going to go winless. Four-year bowl ban, lost all their scholarships, all the players could transfer without penalty. They, I remember just sitting there on my TV like, this is worse than the death penalty. In two, two years there, he led them to winning records both years. Mm -hmm. Like seven and five, eight and four, whatever, like really good records. Like he was the Bear Bryant Coach of the Year award in his first year, he was a really good college coach. He incredible recruiter, yeah. you know, was able to bring things in. And then obviously, you know, what I kind of learned from one of my friends who played at Penn state was he was never meant, he was not the long-term choice at Penn state. He was there for two years to address the media. He built up success. He leaves for the NFL. Look what he, mm -hmm. look what he did. Yeah. And then, then, then the plan was to hire Franklin, but you know, then look what he did in the NFL. Everyone's like, oh, he got fired. He sucked. He's like, he won four division uh, titles. Yeah. And I think people forget is Bill O'Brien, the head coach, was really, really good. Bill O'Brien, the general manager, was an absolute disaster. Right. And now he has the opportunity this year. He's learning more under Nick Saban. We've all seen how Nick Saban assistant coaches do. He's yeah. leading the best offense in college football and doing a pretty good damn job about it. He has had coaching experience at the NFL and college level. He's had success at all at all levels. I don't see a reason why USC would be dumb to not at least talk to him. I think that I bet I I wouldn't be surprised if he was on their short list because mm -hmm. I, I like the point that you made where Bill O'Brien, the general manager, wasn't great, but Bill O'Brien, the coach, was. Mm -hmm. And obviously, at the college level, you're not a general manager. You got right. the athletic director doing that for you. You're just coaching. Mm -hmm. So that's that's a really good point. And that kind of makes me think about that as an option a little bit more. Mm -hmm. um, I think for sure they're going to bring in a, they're going to bring in an outside hire, probably a whole new regime. Uh, Cause like, kind of like what you touched on since Pete Carroll, they've just promoted within this whole right. time. And it's turned out some years, but I think it, it, it especially now with Mike Baum being there, uh, he's got his feet under him at USC. I bet he's going to look at getting a whole new regime in there. So if he's smart, he does that. I think they, that? I think they, they have to do that. They cannot promote yep. within. They oh, yeah. need to change it. They need to change. They need a change of environment and, and a new, new atmosphere. Yeah, absolutely. Or, or we'll be in the state three years from now. We'll be talking about this again. If they, if they promote within. Yeah. It's simple. If they promote within two years, we'll be back to talking about USA. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. And, uh, and it's because of the athletic director that, the the narrative that makes the most sense to me um did, do you know where mike bond came from where he was the ad at before cincinnati you know who he hired at cincinnati? luke fickle luke fickle so that 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 just makes me think like he's got to call mm -hmm. him oh 100 the, the 100%. only thing that stumps that is luke fickle is an ohio guy he's from mm -hmm. there i think he played in ohio and he's yep. always coaching he went to ohio state yeah yep see there you go and mm -hmm. you know and Cincinnati's got a lot in front of him right now. They're going to be joining the Big 12 here soon. Right. He's already gone into a big bowl game. He's going to be on the cusp of maybe even getting into the playoffs or a big right. bowl game this year. So, you know, I, I obviously I don't know the guy personally, but I can't <laughs> imagine he's just going to, you know, cut and dry and leave that. Yeah. I think, obviously, Luke Fickle, for me, top five coach in college football. He's mm -hmm. transformed Cincinnati. He's fantastic coach. Like I mentioned, Cincinnati is going to the Big 12, but it's after like five more years. So, yeah, yeah, good point. But again, the big thing is USC, the money they have, Cincinnati. Right. If USC comes calling and says, we'll give you, we'll double your pay, I think Fickle, he's not the type of guy who goes, well, I really want to build Cincinnati up. I think, you know, 
he's gonna he needs to get a big a big time job to really show how good of a coach he is. I think yeah. USC could be that job. And you mentioned where Mike Baum came from or Mike Baum came from, whatever his name is. Mm-hmm. He also was at Colorado, where he hired Eric Bieniemy as the offensive coordinator at Colorado. So that's where uh-huh. that connection came from. Because so, I remember, you know, I was looking at looking at who could replace him, and I saw Eric Bieniemy's name before Schefter. I think it was Adam Schefter announced it. Yeah. And I'm like, where the hell is this coming from? Yeah. And then I, I dug deep. And it's like they have a connection. So it's like they know each other. It'd be foolish to not just not call them. Right. But then you gotta realize, like Eric Bieniemy, he should have an NFL job already, no question. Yeah, no one wants to give him a shot. Okay, he moves to college. We saw what he does with the KC offense. Imagine that in the Pac-12. I think you know NFL teams would be like, "Oh well, we made a mistake. Come coach yeah, us." Too. So, you no, know, for maybe for him, that's a good way to get that NFL coaching job. But obviously, not a good move for USC. You know, you mentioned Luke Fickle. He deserves that job. The other big name I keep hearing is James Franklin from Penn State. Yeah, I, I, I saw that one too. I, I couldn't really find anything specifically that would connect him to go out that way or any reason why he would leave Penn State. You know, because especially if Penn mm-hmm. State has a good year this year. Yeah. I don't think he would go, but who knows? I think, I think for, Penn, for James Franklin and Penn State, it's, it's going to be tough, you know, for him to leave. And now I'm Pennsylvania, I grew up in Philadelphia. Like, I've, Watched Penn State my whole life, you know. Even I went to Marvin, I got my Penn State sweatshirt on. Um, my my sister who goes to Maryland isn't happy with me right now, but you know, <laughs> I remember when James Franklin was hired, and he's a local kid. He grew up the neighboring town from where I lived, and I remember in his interview they were talking. He's he like a conversation. He goes, "When I was me, and my wife first started dating, she asked me what my dream job was, and I said Penn State." So it's not like, you know, he randomly found Penn State. It's his dream job. He's taking this team from a mediocre Big Ten team to a top, consistent top 25 team. So, and then he's been in a conversation for so many jobs, Florida State, Texas A&M. It's one of those things with USC. It's like, it's USC. It's Southern California. And, you know, one of Franklin's best qualities is his recruiting. He's an insane recruiter. Yep. You think it's going to be a little bit easier to recruit people to Southern California versus Happy Valley, Pennsylvania? You probably have never been there, but there's nothing in Happy Valley. It is a very boring area. It sounds like a great place. Yeah. And, like, <laughs> it's happy. You know, yeah. but, but you look at it, but, you know, with Franklin, he – has a lot of success at Penn State. He can have that at USC. You know, bring in this top recruit, run the table with USC, win the Pac-12 consistently. You only got to compete with Oregon, who was like this. Mm-hmm. Could this be the team that poaches him? As a Pennsylvania guy, I hope not, because he's done a lot of great things for the school. And again, it's his dream job, but. It's USC. I know there's yeah. no better way to say it. it's USC football. Yeah, I'm with you. He He's number three on my list. I don't know who mm. I'm going to pick yet, though. Yeah. We'll see. Yeah, again, there's a lot of crazy names. You know, I think we both can agree Urban Meyer's not taking the job. Um, you know, even though he's been rumored for this job for four years when Clay Helton still had the job, yeah. you know, he'd be an absolute idiot. So, you know, again, he should never have gone to the NFL. This is, what, this is why he rushed into the NFL. He should have waited a year and got the USG job. I don't think he's going to get it. But we'll, we'll touch on this real quickly. Here's a name that might – a head-scratcher, but it makes kind of sense. Mm-hmm. Ed Ogeron. You're he's a good coach. He built, he built LSU. We already know how good of a coach he is. He built LSU, one of the best uh-huh. teams, that 2019 team. Yes, he coached. At USC before, but look what he took over for. He took over for the Lane Kiffin experiment. We all saw how Lane Kiffin was at USC. It was atrocious. Mm-hmm. It was one of the biggest disappointments and dumpster fires I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. Whoever took over that took that job was gonna was gonna fail. Whoever did, whoever did it, could have been Saban, could have been Urban Meyer, could have been any of them. They were gonna fail. That uh-huh. he 
LSU is kind of on that decline right now, but they've seen what what Ed Ogeron can do with a some time and a good situation. It's yeah. not like USC is this complete dumpster fire right now. Yeah. If USC calls Ed Ogeron like, hey, we'll we'll bump your pay up a little bit. You know, hard feelings for firing you the first time. How about we try to run it back again? You can be a guy that says. See you, LSU. I know he's a Louisiana guy, but as I keep saying, it's USC in Southern California. Right. Yeah. Well, and then shoot, because, I mean, there's a whole new administration that's there since, mm-hmm. since Coach Rose has been there, so maybe he'll be with it. Yeah, again, it's I'm, I'm excited to see how it plays out. I think it's going to be a big-name person. Again, there's yeah. some dark horses that might, you know, find their way. Bill Napier from Louisiana. Uh Jamie Chadwell from Coastal Carolina, guys who are going to get Power Five jobs soon. They could be guys. I hear. I keep hearing BS that it's going to be Lincoln Riley. I keep hearing BS that it's going to be a Meyer. You know, it, it's going to be a big hire. I think that's that's the consensus. It's the obvious. It's going to be a big hire, which just it's exciting for college football. Oh yeah, absolutely. I I even saw one article that suggested that it could be Whittingham from Utah or even Shiano from Rutgers. Yeah. I was like, well, I don't know. They had a long list, though. Yeah. They were part of a long list. Of guys. I, I saw the Whittingham list uh, uh, option. I Again, he's a dark horse, and I, I like that option. Shiano, for me, is not there yet with Rutgers. He needs yeah. to truly rebuild Rutgers before he starts looking at other jobs because he's – we saw what happened at Tennessee. He hasn't proved himself to be back. Yes, Rutgers is on the on the up up and coming. He needs to build Rutgers up first, which I think I, I think he might he might get a call. He might get an interview. I don't think he's going to get. It. I think he needs a little bit more time first. But again, it seems like everybody's on this list. Yeah, there's a lot of people. Yeah, a lot of conspiracies. It's a it's a big enough job where everybody's connected to it in some form or fashion. Yeah, that's that's college football. Yeah, it's, it's college and head football. Coaches are connected all over. Yeah, absolutely. Well, enough of, you know, the dumpster fire of the Southern California Trojans. You ready to pick some games? Yep, I'm ready. Let's do it. Let's start off. All right. The FCS game of the week. I, I looked up the rankings five minutes before this, so news to me, number 25 Richmond will be built, uh, making the way to Philadelphia, take on number 12 Villanova. Um Again, I didn't really watch much of either of his teams play, but I've seen um, Villanova play a little bit. Nova's only given up six points this season. Uh, three to Lehigh, three to Bucknell. Real good defensive team. I, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with the hometown. Uh, the hometown Cats gonna go with Nova Nation. Who do you got? Yeah, I'm. I'm with you too. You know, I don't think either team's really been tested yet this year. Mm-hmm. They both played Lehigh, and Lehigh got spanked both times. So I'm sure they're really looking forward to their game in Week Three. Hopefully, getting a win. Um, but you know, either way, it, it seems like Villanova has been much more efficient than Richmond and home field advantage. Um, mm. I'm going to go with the experts on this one. Yeah. Again, Villanova's they've had, they've had good teams. Richmond and Villanova have been two kind of perennial powerhouses and FCS, um, mm. obviously not to the level of like South Dakota state or North Dakota state, but yeah. they're two teams that are consistently ranked in the top 25. So I think it's going to be a very good game. Moving along to our G5 game of the week. I'll let you start on this one because you know where I stand with one of these two teams. East Carolina, we headed down to Huntington, West Virginia, take on Marshall. Um, I'll get into the details of this rivalry um, in a second, but what do you got? Yeah, when uh, when I looked at the show doc, I was thinking like, man, we sure talk about Marshall a lot. Don't you think that's weird? Let's go herd. <laughs> uh, so East Carolina, 0-2, Marshall's 2-0. Marshall's nine-point home favorites. Uh, so far this year, ECU has been, been pretty inefficient on offense and Marshall's been showing a pretty strong defense. So that's, uh, that makes it pretty easy for me to, uh, lean towards Marshall. And I, does Marshall play app state next week or in two weeks? Cause next either way, week, I don't I think Marshall's going to get slowed down by anybody until they play app state. No, I think, I think it's next week. I could be wrong, but yeah. again, I know everyone's like, if anybody's watching, who knows me? You know, I went to Marshall. I'm a big, big herd fan. The real reason why I think I went with this as the game of the week is the uniqueness of the rivalry between East Carolina and Marshall. 
Um, if you're a fan of college football, you know the story of Marshall. November 14th, 1970, plane crash, killed all 75 souls on board. They, instead of canceling the program, uh, Jacqueline Gell rebuilt the program. We are Marshall, Matthew McConaughey, great movie. Fun fact, when I was at the Marshall Navy game, Jacqueline Gell was there because he was the athletic director of the Naval Academy. Irrelevant, but, you know, really cool to see him. The reason why East Carolina plays such a big part with this Marshall team is Marshall was playing East Carolina the day of the crash, and they were on their way back from a game against East Carolina. East Carolina even has a plaque on their stadium that says this was the final game for the 1970 Thundering Herd. There's the uniqueness of the East Carolina Marshall game. And last year, which is kind of an interesting thing, East Carolina, Marshall was meant to go to East Carolina and play week zero. And last year was the 50-year anniversary. COVID had other plans to cancel the game. But that's kind of the real reason I wonder if this is the G5 game of the week, just because this is such a unique rivalry. Yeah. That, like, it's not like Alabama-Auburn or, you know, Ohio State-Michigan where they both hate each other. There's this weird bond. So uh, as a college football fan, you absolutely got to love this kind of story. But I'm also a Marshall Thundering Herd fan and a proud alum. Um, but back to the reason why, you know, back to the important stuff. Yeah, East yeah, Carolina's 0-2. Yeah, East Carolina's 0-2. Um, they haven't looked necessarily good this year. Marshall week one played phenomenal on mm-hmm. offensive, defense, and special teams, all three sides. They rushed the ball uh, flawlessly. They were throwing the ball really well. Special teams had like two or three block kicks. Last week against North Carolina Central, though, they didn't look good. Grant Wells was throwing a lot of interceptions, especially at the goal line. The defense was kind of giving up those big plays, but then would have a stop towards, you know, towards the red zone. I think just in general, Marshall has the better team. It has the positive, the, the environment of, you know, at the Joan. It's a tough environment to walk into. I think Marshall has the better team, the better you know, better offense, better defense. This game's gonna be won by Marshall's defense. So I'm gonna I'm gonna go with the Thunder and Herd for, for this one. Let's go Herd. Good choice. Yeah. I'm moving along. We'll stick with a top twenty-five matchup out, out west, because you know we're both Westerns. Arizona State, Herm Edwards team will be taking on the BYU Cougars. Um I I know BYU, they're up a lot of excitement this week. They just announced they're moving to the Big 12. They've played two Pac-12 teams so far this season, and they're 2-0. Mm-hmm. So it's not like they're playing this Arizona State team and going to be worried. Um, they, they're used to this this level of competition. Um, so, you know, you're looking at it, and I think I got some, I got some notes in here, I think. Maybe. Yeah. Jaron Hall, the quarterback for BYU, Two games, five touchdowns, which is absolutely remarkable um, for a G5 yeah. quarterback like that, especially against the talent in Pac-12. You know, that's pretty yeah. remarkable. Yeah, Arizona State hasn't been tested at all. They haven't played anybody, and they look they haven't looked great, but they haven't looked bad. Mm-hmm. I, I like the BYU Cougars for the upset in this one. Who do you got? So out of the games that we're looking at, there's three of them, I think, that I had a really hard time, and I tilted all day. Let me guess. This is one um, of them. And this, this was one of them. So, like you said, they're both 2-0. It's at BYU. BYU is actually a four-point home favorite, uh, last I checked, even though they are ranked higher than Arizona State, being 23 and Arizona State's 19. Um, you know, I'm with you. I think Jaron Hall has been settling in really well. He had big shoes to fill with Zach Wilson going to the NFL. Absolutely. Um, Jaden Daniels, he had a big game last week. He uh, 175 yards in the air, two touchdowns, and then another mm-hmm. another 122 yards on the ground. And then I saw that was against UNLV, who UNLV has also lost to Eastern Washington, which is a good FCS school, but they still lost to an FCS school. So I was like, well, maybe maybe that's not that great. But you know, um, in their in their different games so far this year, uh, BYU has either had a, a hard time with the passing game or a hard time with the rushing mm-hmm. game, and Arizona State can do both. Uh, so that is what kind of makes me lean towards Arizona State showing mm. up and <clears throat> winning the away game. Yeah, and it, it, it's gonna be. I think it's gonna be a really good game. And yeah, um, I'm a huge fan of the of G5. So anytime I have an opportunity and it's a close game, like you said, it's gonna be a. T- I think it's gonna be a close game. It's yeah. not a type of game that I think one of the either teams gonna run away with. Um, they might do it in like garbage time, but I don't think that's gonna be the type of game. Um, but right. kind of moving. I mentioned G5. I love the G5. 
Yeah. Number eight, Cincinnati yeah. versus Indiana. Who do you have in this in this one? So we got number eight, Cincinnati. They're two and zero. Oh. They're actually four point away favorites going into Indiana, who's one and one. That's uh, it. That's the only four point favorites. Uh, what's that? Only four point favorites. Ugh. Yeah, being the away team though. So I was like, okay, that's maybe that's all right, but. You know, in the overall man, that that's uh, the, the AP and Vegas not not giving Cincinnati enough props, but that's all right. Uh, Desmond Ritter, he's he's been doing good. Last game, he had uh, eleven different guys catch a pass from him. I thought that was pretty impressive, and that that's it's awesome remarkable. when an offense can do that. Jerome Ford's been running hard, um, but for me, Indiana has they're not really popping out that much. They've been pretty bland. I mean. It's not bad football. It's not great football. It's just they've been playing football and they're one and one. So they're five hundred. Right. I guess that that seems pretty adequate for the way they've been playing. Mm-hmm. But uh, got got to go with uh, Cincinnati on the road on this one. Yeah, I'll touch a little bit on Indiana. Like you know, week one, they got embarrassed by Iowa. Mm-hmm. But then, you know, are you thinking after week one, it's like, okay, is is Iowa really good or is Indiana just really bad? Iowa goes out and dominates Iowa State. So like, all right, maybe Iowa's really good. Right. But you know, like you guys said, Indiana. Just they're playing football. Mm-hmm. They don't look like they're a good team. They don't look like they're a bad team. Going into the year, this was the team that was supposed to contend with uh, Ohio State for the Big Ten right. Championship. Yeah, they don't. They they're not competing for the Big Ten Championship. They they don't. They aren't good enough on um, on all, any sides of the ball. So that takes them out of that. But then you look at Cincinnati, and I mentioned I mentioned it earlier with the USC coaching ha- candidates. Luke Fickle is a top five coach in college football, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, he's always has his teams ready. He recruits incredibly. And then we talk about what he has here. He has one of the best cornerbacks in college football in Ahmad Gardner, who, you know, his stats aren't necessarily great this year because the ball's not being thrown to him. And it's hard to record stats when the ball's not being thrown to you. Mm-hmm. He covers so, – he's covering the, the – uh, receivers so well that they're they're rendered useless. So yeah, he doesn't have the tackles or the interceptions. It's because the ball's not being thrown to him. Right. You can't punish him for that. He's a top top end, you know, defensive talent. You know, you're gonna be seeing his, him play on Sundays and you're gonna be seeing his name called early on the NFL draft. Yeah. But then you talk about the offense, Desmond Ritter is, in my opinion, gonna be a top three quarterback in the NFL draft. Now, I just did an analysis on Malik Willis because he's getting all the attention. Right. I think Desmond Ritter is better than Malik Willis. And the way Desmond Ritter keeps playing, he's playing better than Sam Howell at the moment. He's playing better than Carson Strong at the moment. It's a matter of time until he starts playing better than Spencer Rattler. Desmond Ritter is an elite talent. And we saw what they did last week. Yeah, they were tied 7-7 going at the half. But 35 unanswered points in the second half is unbelievable. Believable, uh-huh. and they're going to take that momentum and t- knock off the Indiana Hoosiers. It's it's going to happen. Oh yeah, and I'm assuming since I just said that Indiana is going to come out firing because that's usually how it works. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I I don't know. I it, I have a hard time seeing it go go the other way. I think I think right. Indiana is going to handle. Yeah. Well, here's another gimme. I'm I'm really hoping for this one. Georgia Tech taking on Clemson. Um. I'll be super, super short. Clemson's going to dominate. Clemson has dominated Georgia Tech for the last few years. DJ, yeah. whatever his last name is, starting to kind of get his rhythm a little bit going for, for Clemson. Yeah. Georgia Tech, they lost to Illinois, who's, again, not a good football program. They didn't look right. necessarily good. Yeah, Clemson lost that, that early game to, to Georgia, but it's not like they lost by 40. They lost by seven. Right. I, I don't see. I don't see a way to how Clemson loses this game. No. Yeah. I'm. I'm with you. Georgia Tech, or excuse me. Uh, yeah. Georgia Tech. Um, are they? Are they 0 and 2 on the year? I missed their record. Probably. My. That'd be my guess. I think so. Clemson's one and one. Either way, Clemson's 28 point home favorites. No, they beat Kennesaw State. Oh wow! I know who that is. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I got Clemson winning for sure. Yeah, I think it, it, this is a gimme game for Clemson. I don't think again it's one of those times they shouldn't they shouldn't like oh it's just Georgia Tech, but Clemson looked really good last week against South Carolina State. I think that's who they played last week. 
maybe. I don't know. Yeah, they played South Carolina State. They looked pretty good against them. I, I, I knew it was going to take Dabo and DJ to get, you know, a little bit of rhythm going, especially mm-hmm. an early game against Georgia. is not easy. Yeah, but, but, you know, I, they're, they're starting to get their rhythm, and I, I don't see – they're going to roll through through the, the, the jackets. One game – I hope I have a banner for this one. I don't think I have a banner for this one. And we're going to create the banner real quick. All right. I'll take South Carolina, the Gamecocks, taking on the Georgia Bulldogs. It's, it's a fun SEC game. Who, who do you got in this one? Well, they're they're both two and zero, so I know I know one thing. One team's going to have to come out of there with their first loss, and it's not going to be Georgia. Mm-hmm. They're thirty-one and a half point favorites. I mean, South Carolina's two and zero, but they they barely beat East Carolina last week or two weeks ago, whenever they played them. East Carolina's 0-2. Um, so this is, I mean, it's the first real challenge for South Carolina, and it's a, a real big challenge and one that I don't think they can handle. Yeah, it's, this game's tough. Because um, a couple years ago, it was one of those things, Georgia was like number three or five in the country. They're playing South Carolina, who's not a top-tier SEC school. And I remember watching it because my boss went to South Carolina and we're tailgating at one of the Marshall games and South Carolina upsets Georgia. And I, again, I, I remember very, very, very easy. We were both very drunk and, you know, we're celebrating this game. Um, you know, but just looking at it, but South Carolina plays Georgia really well. They always have, they always will. It's one of those games that like, they always just play. They're always just very prepared for them for some reason. There's there every team has it. Every top Alabama, I'm sure, has that game. So it was, they when I always play Auburn, doesn't matter if Auburn is zero and ten. They Auburn always plays them well. Right. Army Navy, both teams always play. Like for some reason, South Carolina is one of those teams that plays Georgia really well. The big thing for Georgia for me is J T. Daniels' health. He didn't play last week against UAB. Yep. Granted, they destroy UAB, but they should. SEC versus Conference USA. They, they should dominate them. But Stetson Bennett played phenomenal. He threw the ball 12 times and had five touchdowns. That's insane. <laughs> That's like what Jameis Winston did last week. Yes. Like that. <laughs> That's absolutely insane. Yeah. I think this game is going to be a lot closer, no matter who plays for Georgia, if it's Bennett or Daniels, just because of how well South Carolina plays Georgia. But I think in the end, Georgia's just going to be too dominant. They're going to put up too much points on the board compared to South Carolina. I, I got to go to the game. I got to get another game. I got to go to the Bulldogs on this one. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good choice. You know, if, if I was betting on it, I you know, I might take South Carolina to cover that 31.5 point spread, but – a 31 and a half point spread. Yeah. Well, I'm taking that fucking spread. <laughs> this isn't a betting show, but take that, take that bet. Yeah. So well, that, and that may have changed, uh, you know, cause I know they're listening to us. So that may have changed now, but, um, I'm taking that bet. That's what it was Damn. At. Yeah. That's, that's a terrible line Vegas. No, I'm taking that bet in a heartbeat. Mm-hmm. Huh? Yeah. Okay. Well, speaking of upsets, this is an upset I'm having. Virginia taking on North Carolina. I'm taking Virginia to win this game. Brennan Armstrong, seven yeah. touchdowns, 744 yards in two games. That's wild. phenomenal. Wild. Four and five of them and five touchdowns were last week. I don't know who Virginia has played, but, you know, and seven that's just that's a good like okay, William and Mary in Illinois. You no, know, not great. Again, not yeah, you know, great teams, but that's still you get you gotta like realize when some of these players like, oh, they didn't play a strong opponent. They still put up really good numbers. Mm-hmm. Like you can't fault him for who they played. Right. Like they set like seven touchdowns and seven hundred forty four yards. Some players have that in five games. He did it too. Yeah, and the big thing is, I'm not sold on North Carolina. They haven't looked like this North Carolina team that I predicted to win the ACC this year. 
Sam Howell's playing pretty mediocre. The defense isn't looking too hot. They got upset by Virginia Tech week one. Mm-hmm. This was supposed to be the team, in my opinion, was going to not dethrone Clemson. And they just continue to disappoint. Virginia, on the other hand, has just been playing phenomenal football, led by Armstrong. I'm, I'm going with the Cavaliers to take the upset. Yeah. Yeah, I uh, I think this one's going to be really exciting. I think it's going to be more exciting than Arizona State and BYU. Uh, if you had to guess, what do you think the uh, the over-under is at right now for this game? My bet is North Carolina is the favorite. Uh, yes, yep. Okay. They're eight-point okay. home favorites. Eight points. Okay, first – okay. I just decided to return the show to a betting show. Take <laughs> South Carolina – uh, 31 and a half point underdogs against Georgia <laughs> yeah. and take this line. If you want to win money, I think someone commented earlier, he's probably not even watching. Virginia Tech over West Virginia Tech, a lot to add to the parlay. Fuck WVU, yes, take this one. Take South Carolina, Georgia, and take Virginia and North Carolina for your parlay. <laughs> no, 100% I'm taking that line for um, Virginia and North Carolina, 100%. Yeah. The uh... – the over the over under sixty six and a half for Ooh. this one, and I think I could go the under on that one. I think it's going to be a straight shootout, man. With with the way Armstrong's been throwing the ball, mm. Sam Howell's getting back into form. Last week, I think he threw for three hundred forty three yards. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's going to be a lot of air yards and a lot of points, and mm. uh, it'll be it'll be tight. But I, I still got North Carolina winning. Mm. I again I hope I hope I hope Armstrong comes up just firing. I, I love Sam Howell. I think he's you know gonna be an excellent talent, you know, playing on Sundays next year. But he hasn't looked like the quarterback I thought he was gonna be this year. Yeah. You know, he was the he was, you know, going into the year, you no, know, there's Spencer Rattler is the, the Heisman favorite, a little bit of a gap, Sam Howell. He's not gonna get an invite to the the ceremony. So I'm not I'm still not sold on them, but this this could be a good test if find if they're legit or not. Oh yeah, absolutely. All right, moving on. College game day is going right. I was between this game and what our actual game of the week is to decide what our big one is going to be. Um, but a top thir- top eleven matchup versus top twenty five matchup takes precedent. But mm-hmm. what an environment! The Penn State whiteout game, one of yeah. the greatest you know, things to like witness. Um, number 22, Auburn, uh, first road big 10 game for them in like 80 years. They'll be taking a visit to happy Valley. Is it going to be a happy Valley or a sad Valley for Penn state on Saturday? <laughs> uh, I, I think it's going to end up being a little sad up there. Uh, you know, you, you talked about how it's, it's been, I forget what I had the year written down. How long it's been since an SEC school traveled to a to a Big Ten team, and it's been this is just the third time that an SEC team is visiting a Big Ten opponent ever. So, really, you know this this is a big game for the Big Ten altogether. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I think uh, there's a lot more at stake here than than just the football game right now, especially for Penn State. You know, showing up for the Big Ten and showing up for themselves. You know, keeping their rank and then helping them continue to climb in the ranks. They got to win this game. You know, uh, Auburn, I, especially statistically, uh, it's a little inflated right now. They had two mm-hmm. easy games right off the bat. I think they averaged like 65 points. They're not, I think they're number one in the country for points per game right now. Cause they, they're like at 65, 66 points per game. Sounds about um, right for them. Yep. Yep. Uh, they're coming into Beaver stadium, Penn state, wasn't really able to run very good against Wisconsin. So that makes me a little bit nervous. Um, you know, Bo Nix and, and, and Tank Bigsby, I think they're just going to unleash against Penn State like they already have been the first two games of the year. And I got Auburn showing up and falling through with the upset. Oof. I think for me, you know, with, with Penn State, just we'll talk about the environment first. A yeah. Penn State whiteout environment is it's next to none. There's no better atmosphere in college football. I don't care what anybody says. There's no better atmosphere. And it's very tough for visiting teams to go into a true whiteout experience. You no, know, last year I don't think they even had any because no fans. But I remember 
2019. Mich- Michigan was the unfortunate culprits of the whiteout. Mi- uh, Penn State wins a toss, defers the choice. First play from the line of scrimmage for Michigan. They call a timeout because they can't get the playoff. Yeah. So loud. Shea Patterson was yelling, trying to do a hard count. Couldn't get the playoff or get the get the snap off. Timeout. That that shows you the type of environment a whiteout is. Right. And I don't think Auburn's ready for it. I do not think they're ready for it. I don't care what they've experienced in the SEC. A Penn State whiteout is very difficult. And you know, you look at the, when you look at both teams, Bo Nix is trying to make a case for the Heisman. No, no other doubt of a question about it. He's been trying to make that case. He's trying to dethrone Bryce Young and Spencer Rattler. He's looked absolutely phenomenal in two games. Again, he hasn't played anybody, but he's still gone out and put up. Is there a step above video game numbers? Because I feel like that's what he's doing. He's Nerf. putting up great numbers. But Penn State's also been like a sneaky good team. Again, they go into Wisconsin. They knock off the Badgers. They go into Beaver Stadium last week. They dominate Ball State. You know, Jahan Dotson, leading receiver from the Big Ten last year on a pretty mediocre Penn State team. He's been balling out. Sean Clifford is trying to is finding that click. Yeah. New offensive coordinator Mike Yurick is phenomenal. And then you kind of spoke on the running backs for Penn State. Yeah, they struggled a little bit during Wisconsin, but Noah Kane and Kayvon Lee last week looked like a deadly running back duo. And yeah. it's one of those things that's like you can't beat a deadly running back duo. Like look at the Browns with Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb. Oh, yeah. someone's struggling. Let me just hand it to the other running back. That's kind of what I see with these two. Yeah, they're a low they're not getting the height they are, but they're still a very good duo running back. And I think the big thing for Penn State and what's gonna win them this game is the defense. Penn State is so good on the defensive side of the ball. Yep. Auburn yep. hasn't been tested at all on defense. Penn State's gonna test them a lot on defense. No, shout out to Brent Pry, their defensive coordinator. He's been with James Franklin since the start. I think when they go out and dominate this game, a lot of schools are like, we're firing our coach because we want Brent Pry. And it's going to be a matter of time until he gets his own job. I think for both teams, this is going to be a statement game. For Penn State, if they knock off Auburn, it's like we knocked off an SC, a top-tier SEC school. We're going for a Big Ten and for a playoff spot. And then if Auburn wins, it's – Listen, stop giving Alabama and Texas A&M and Georgia all the credit. We're here too, and we're ready to play. But mm-hmm. in the end, I it, that Penn State environment, the Penn State offense, that elite defense, Happy Valley is going to be happy again. <laughs> Go State. You uh, you know who really needs Penn State to win that game? Who? Ohio State does. Yeah, they do. Again, sure, because then they they'll play Penn State down the road. Yeah, again, again, Ohio, yeah. For once, Ohio State's gonna be rooting for Penn State because if you know Penn State gets blown up by Auburn, you know, knocks them since the eight people, they might knock them out of the top twenty-five. Um, yeah. Ohio State needs whatever they can get on their resume from here on out. Yeah. A big win over Ohio, uh, over Penn State will help, but for right now, you got, Penn State's gonna take down those Tigers. Yeah, it's uh, it's interesting. They're only five and a half point favorites. Penn State is. Yeah, again, we'll move on to our game of the week. Um, number one, Alabama will be taking on number eleven, Florida. We all know what type of team Auburn ha- Alabama has. They're electric on offense. You know, they don't rebuild; they reload. And I didn't feel like they reloaded because it seems like they haven't missed a step. Bryce Young is the Heisman Trophy favorite at the moment. He's playing phenomenal, putting up video game numbers. Their defense is elite. Their offense is elite. We all know the team Alabama has. Okay, we don't need to focus on that. Dan Mullen has a great problem on his hand. Most yeah. most teams would love to have this problem. Uh-huh. We have a big battle for the quarterback position in Florida. Man. But I want to focus on Anthony Richardson because he should be getting this job. No matter what. If Dan Mullen doesn't give it to him, it's like Matt Nagy not giving the job to Justin Fields. It's just foolish. Anthony Richard, you know, first quarterback since Tim Tebow to rush and throw for 100 yards. Incredible. Yeah. But it doesn't really matter because Alabama is going to walk in there and just beat the shit out out of Florida. So even though I think Anthony Richardson gives them their best chance of winning, 
Mm-hmm. I'd, I'd be shocked if, if Alabama doesn't win by double digits. Uh, yeah, I, I think you're right on it. Uh, Alabama's 15-point favorites in this one. Um, I think they'll – they could, they'll do that and probably even more, you know, with the, the, the Florida quarterback situation right now, they, they start Emory Jones. He goes out there, throws two picks and they throw Anthony Richardson in there and then he runs all over everybody. But mm-hmm. I, I don't think he'll be able to run all over Alabama if he gets mm-hmm. in. Um, but I'm, I'm with you. Bama's going to win this one. I think they'll probably force some turnovers, but mm-hmm. Florida's already been willing to give up anyways. And uh, Alabama's going to control the game. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, again, this is a big test for Alabama. This is the best thing they've played all year by far. Mm-hmm. Definitely not Miami. Sure as hell not Mercer. Yeah. I don't think it's going to be a blowout like they've experienced in the first two weeks. But again, Alabama is, they don't, they haven't missed a step. They have not missed a single step from last year. And they're just such a great overall team. And I think it, it, there's no question for me. You know, we also said there's no question Ohio State was going to lose last week. So. Go Gators. Um, I felt confident about that one. Yeah. <laughs> Man, this was this was another, you know, great you – no, know, there's going to be a lot of great games this week. You know, it's always the excitement of college football. We're getting into the nitty-gritty. We're a few weeks away from playoff rankings. Coaches have already started getting fired. Um, a lot more drama is going to partake. Um, yeah. I'm not sure about you, but I'm excited for the next few weeks of college football. I, from the first two weeks, we're, ex- we're ready for a lot of excitement. Oh yeah, I'm I'm thrilled. You know, the, this is gonna this will sound stupid, but the the way I view it is the farther we get through the season, the more we learn, the more we know. Mm-hmm. And you know, these first few weeks, we 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 know more, but we still understand less because we're still trying to figure everything out. Right, just like the college football world's trying to figure it out. You know, there's there's a lot of things going on already early this season, so it it's gonna be fun to see what happens throughout the rest of the year. Yeah, absolutely. I think I'm excited to see what kind of takes place next few weeks. Uh, I'm hoping the playoff, you know, we start getting the more playoff conversation, you know, next few weeks. Uh, once we have a better idea of who actually is contenders and who are pretenders, but you know, it's, it's going to be exciting. And this week is no short of excitement for, um, for college football. Uh, I'm super excited to, to see what happens. Um, you know, what's this, you know, again, as a fan, we get to sit back, we get to watch amazing football. Exactly. That's what it's all about. Absolutely. Well, it has been another amazing opportunity, amazing show, amazing conversations. As always, you got any final things, final big, big things, what to watch for this week? Just keep an eye out for the big games. There's going to be a lot of fun games going on, a lot of shootouts, high scoring games. Just keep your TV on, find the good game, Just sit back and enjoy it. That's what I'm going to do. I'm excited. Um, as a Penn State guy, I always grew up watching the Penn State game. So anytime the whiteout game is on television, it's it's a little bit of excitement for me. And obviously, we talked about it earlier, but my thundering herd, you know, bringing the rivalry between East Carolina and Marshall back, it's going to be an exciting atmosphere. So, you know, it's going to be a great, no, a great week of college football. But we are running out of time. Now, it's been another great week of college football. We're super excited. Andrew, thank you for your support. Thanks, Brian. This has been another great uh, episode of the College Football Cut. Make sure you tune in every single day. I'm pretty sure I'm not really quite sure what what the schedule of shows here on the Cut Podcast Network, but just show up every day. I'm sure there's a show. If not, watch a replay. Watch a replay of this. Uh, give us some uh, support. But for Jared, I'm Adam. I'm your host. We'll be back next Thursday talking about week three recap, previewing week four, and any other big news that happens in college football. No. Whoever's fired next. No. Let's go. (laughs) Have a great night, everybody. We'll see you all next week. Go Hurt. See you later.